Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim. Why was the vintage church so powerful? I believe the church, even though it, we have the ability to possess the same power now, that the church, the vintage church, the early church had a more distinct, robust power than we have. And so the question we've tried to ask is, why? The question we've tried to answer is, why? The, the question's easy to ask. Why were they more powerful? And we started where we had to start. We started this teaching with Christ and Him crucified because they had a singular, simple message that Jesus Christ and Him crucified is what gets us to, to salvation. Period. Nothing else. Amen? Amen? And then from there, we moved to last week talking about the hope that we have and how the early church was able to accomplish so much because they did consider the consequence of what they were doing. They didn't consider that what they were doing could lead them to death. As a matter of fact, best I can tell, based on the book of martyrs and the things that I've read, they didn't search out death, but they, they grasped it. And they weren't scared of it. And so they proclaimed because they had a hope. And today I want to talk to you about how we can know we have that hope and where that hope comes from. That hope comes because God has empowered us by His Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus. So I want to talk to you today about Holy Spirit empowerment. And I'm not going to make it weird. I know a lot of times, especially in Pentecostal charismatic churches, we, we try to make the Holy Spirit some mystical thing that, that He's not. He is incredible. He is beautiful. He is lovely. He is everything that God is. But let me tell you, He has made Himself simply available to you. And so the message should be simple. Amen? The problem is, we fail to recognize that there is a true nexus between the Holy Spirit's empowerment and our ability to do what God has called the church to do. There's a story that I heard some time ago about a missionary. And this missionary, when he was, got his assignment, he went there, and they were telling him what he was responsible for in his regions and kind of giving him his stuff. And they told him, they said, because your area is so large, we've given you a car. And so here's your car. So they, he starts his missionary journey, and he's working. And he realizes that this car that he has been given has to be rolling started or push started. Y'all ever had an old car like that? Like it just wasn't hitting right? Like no matter what happened, you just had to have it push, pop the clutch, and make it go? Yeah, I've had a car like that too. It was a 1971 Pinto station wagon, and I looked good in it. But he was given this car. And for two years, every time he had a speaking engagement, he had to make sure one of two things. There was a hill that he could park close to that he could walk to where he was going or there were enough people that he was preaching to to help push him started. About two years after he took over his assignment, he got sick. And they had to send another missionary in as his replacement. And so he's telling the newer, younger missionary about 
what he would be doing and what he was responsible to. And he gave him the keys of the car and explained the deficiency in the car. And the young missionary, as he's talking, opens up the hood. He looks around the hood. He goes, he goes I'm sorry, sir. He goes, it, may, it appears as though the, the only real problem with your car is this loose cable to the battery. And so he tightens this loose cable to the battery, gets in the car, turns the key, it rolls over, and it starts. This is our problem too. I don't tell this story because it's funny, although it is. But there is a nexus between the Holy Spirit's empowerment and our ability to do what we've been called to do. Just as there's a nexus between the battery operating rightly and the car accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish, we have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be who we've been called to be, to do what we've been called to do. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And so I'm going to teach, normally I say turn to whatever, and I teach exegetically. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. Uh, it goes against my preaching nature not to do that. But some lessons are best topical. And so I will be jumping to several scriptures to, to show you the truth of the, the, the overarching truth within scripture concerning what I'm talking about. And so this is what you're going to see on the screen for those of you that take notes. And I encourage you to take notes. You're going to see point one, whatever point one is. And then the next slide will have the primary verses that I'll be using to demonstrate that truth. And then the next point and then the next primary verses. So if you're taking notes, I'm saying that because I'm going to come off verses pretty fast. But I want you to be able to take notes and study them for yourself. Amen? All right. So with all of that being said, what did the vintage church understand or know about Holy Spirit empowerment that we don't seem to seem to know or at least stand in? Number one, they knew the Holy Spirit power was at work in them. They knew the Holy Spirit's power was at work in them. We are blind to the truth of God's Word until God reveals the truth to us. Did you hear what I said? That happens by the power of the Spirit. You, you can't walk down the street and decide one day, I'm going to be saved today. You can't be working your job and be like, you know what, I'm going to be saved today. Unless the Spirit's drawing you. It's not a conscious decision you make. It's a spiritual awakening, a spiritual happening in you that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they knew. They knew that the Spirit was at work in them. There's a reason the world is in such disarray. There's a reason it needs a gospel message. But we can't understand the gospel message in our flesh. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Did you catch that? In your flesh, you can't accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. And, cannot and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The things of the Spirit are foolish to those who aren't saved. Man, I wish I could make that, that person believe. You can't. You can declare the truth to them and the Spirit can make them believe. But you or can, can cause them to believe. But you can't do it. If you try to force it, 
it's going to sound like foolishness to them. I've read my Bible. Any y'all ever read your Bible? There's some crazy stuff in here, man. There's some what, what I would consider, or what I certainly considered, foolishness in this Bible. When you look at it in the flesh, through fleshly eyes, did you know, some of y'all look at me like, what? This Bible says that the sun stood still in the sky. Science will tell you if that happened, that means we stopped moving. And if we stopped moving, then everything should have fell off the earth. So it seems like foolishness that the sun would stop moving, but the sun stopped moving. Why do I believe that? I believe that in faith. And I can only believe that in faith based on the Spirit. There's a place in this Bible that says a sea was split in half. Which is crazy enough. But that between those two halves, on dry ground, a million people pass between those two bodies of water. That seems like fool. I can, I can say, okay, well, maybe there was an earthquake that caused this. The, the scientists will tell you if, if it happened, it happened because there's a, there's a bridge of earth just underneath the water and a tsunami happened and so the water separated. But why was the dirt dry? foolishness except by the Spirit of God. That which is in the Spirit is foolishness. People say, why do I have to have faith? You have to have faith because some things can't be explained. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we know that they're still true. He ha- the Holy Spirit must draw us. He has to. John 6.44 says, No one can come to me. This is Jesus talking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Holy Spirit comes to us and convicts us. What is conviction? I could probably muster an academic definition for you, but I'd rather tell you what conviction feels like. Conviction is me sitting in a sanctuary in 2006. Not wanting to be there, but only there because my wife told me she wouldn't date me if I didn't go to church with her. Many of you have heard this story, but that's how I ended up in church. I didn't care about Jesus when I started going there. I didn't care about Jesus the morning I walked into church to be saved. I went because I liked her. And sitting there in that seat, my heart heard the gospel message from the mouth of a preacher. Somebody I never should have been in audience with. Somebody by my very profession I probably shouldn't even have been in the same room with. My pastor, for those of you that don't know, I was, a, I was a cop for 20 years. My pastor was in prison for murder. There's no reason for me to have been there except that God knows what he's doing. But that pastor proclaimed the ministry of reconciliation, the gospel message to me or to us. And as he did it, something happened. I don't know what was going on with me, man. My, my heart started racing. I got this weird thing in this vein in my neck. I got heavy 
And I knew, I knew that if I didn't declare Jesus in that moment, that I would never get rid of this feeling that I had, this despair that I had, this regret that I had. But I knew that Jesus was the answer to salvation and the solution to all of those problems. That's what conviction felt like, and it fell on me in that chair. I never went to an altar. Anybody that tells you you have to go to an altar to be saved has told you a lie. Now, there are times when you need to come to the altar because you need a touch point of faith with someone. But my wife asked me, she said, because she knew I was all messed up, like 20 minutes after I gave my life to the Lord, she, they gave the altar call. She said, are you going to go? Are you going to go up front? And in my pragmatic mind, I said, why would I do that? I gave my life to the Lord 20 minutes ago. That's what conviction felt like for me. It's an understanding that I just know I have to get this right. And God convicts us by the power of his Holy Spirit of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment, according to John. What does that mean? You understand that's, that's a progression? That he forgives us of sin so that we may come to an understanding of who he is. Convicts us of righteousness so that we know where our righteousness falls short and we have to forgive or have to ask forgiveness so that we may become more Christ-like. Sin, righteousness, and the judgment so that we may keep a consciousness of the fact that all of us at some point in our future will be accountable for the confession we've made or not made, for the life we've lived or not lived. All of this by the power of the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2.1, and I know I'm beating this point up, but I need you to understand it. Ephesians 2.1 says, You were dead in your trespasses means we were horribly corrupt in our nature and deserving of death. And then it continues to read, it says, in which you were formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly, everybody say formerly, because if you've given your life to the Lord, you're not that thing anymore formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We have to put aside who we were and walk in the newness of the life that we've been given. We should be formerly in the lust of our flesh and the corruptness of our mind. I've had people tell me, man, if I think about it but don't act on it, I'm not sinning. Depends on how long you thought about it. Because let me tell you, if you're sitting around in your house and you're just lusting, the second you realize you're lusting, if you don't stop, you're sinning. Because you are entertaining that which will become action in your life. I've never performed an action that didn't run through my brain first. Good or bad. It's the reason God gave us a brain. So we should set those former things aside. But we... We're given the ability to set those things aside because the Spirit convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment. 
The Holy Spirit gives us power for Christ-like living. So not only is our, our salvation by the, by the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ, by faith, positional, which means He makes us righteous, but it should also be progressive. A bunch of people, man, they give their life to the Lord, they check the box, they put their Christian card in their pocket, and because they went to an altar at some point when they were seven, they think they're saved. Let me tell you, your, your, your salvation is intended to be lived out. Your Christ-likeness should, should continue to grow. We are called to Christ-like living. And that Christ-like living is only possible as we take off the old self and put on the new self. Amen? I can remember who I was. But God didn't call me to be who I was. God called me to, God didn't even call me to be who I am. God has called me to be who He's turning me into. Man, that's good right there. Because so many of us, when we, when we get comfortable, we get to a place where we think we've matured, we stop learning. We stop pressing in. We stop pursuing. Can I tell you, Dallas, how old are you? How old are you, Brother Dallas? He's 86. He's 86. He's 86 years old, and the man still leads a Bible study on Sunday nights where people give their life to the Lord. Your salvation, your Christ-likeness, the work that God called you to do, doesn't have an expiration date on it. Your job is to take off the old self and put on the new self until God gives you your new, new self, which is the glorified body. Man, I'm preaching good today. Y'all ought to be excited about that. <laughs> we were futile in our thinking according to the Word of God. But empowered by the Holy Spirit, we've been given salvation and the ability to walk in Christ's likeness. Which is the goal, right? To walk in Christ's likeness, to be righteous. To be holy as He is holy? The Bible says it like this, 1 John 2, 6, the one who says that he remains in him, so the one who says that he's a Christian, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So the guy that says he belongs to Jesus should act like he belongs to Jesus. I belong to my wife. If I ever stopped acting like I belong to my wife, I'll meet Jesus. <laughs> and in walking as Jesus walked, we begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I know a lot of people that say, man, how can I even know I'm saved? It makes me sad. Because they're, many of them are saved. They just, they, they need this confirmation. They need to know that they know. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit is the seal on your life that you belong to God? And as the seal on your life should seal you to increase in Christ-likeness, should increase the fruits of the Spirit in your life, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. There's no S on the end of that fruit of spirit in your life 
which is joy or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Can I tell you, you're making the progress you should be making if you're increasing in every one of those areas. If you're the same person, and I don't mean this to be judgmental, I mean this for you to take, filter your life through. If you're the same person today that gave your life to the Lord 10 years ago, I would really get down on my face and ask God if I gave my life to Him 10 years ago. I don't say that, I'm not saying there has to be some incredible manifestation that you have to be so holy you're walking three feet off the ground but there should be some change in you you should hear man that's not the Sean I used to know man that's not the Diane I used to know that's not the Blake I used to know you know what you say that's right because I'm not who you used to know I am a new creature in Christ Jesus, empowered to walk as Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know what else they knew? They knew the Holy Spirit was at work around them. They knew the Holy Spirit, 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 got country for a minute. They knew the Holy Spirit. They knew the Holy Spirit was at work in them for salvation and to make them Christ-like but also to work out of them. God won't do, can't, I don't know that he can't, he can do whatever he wants. I hesitate to use definitives with God because I don't, I don't know all I can know. But God saved you because he loves you but expects you to be the conduit where other people can come to know Him too. We are endowed with power according to the Word of God that other people might know. If God wanted you to do nothing after you got saved, I am certain as I could possibly be that he would have brought you home the day you got saved because what good are you? We're here to affect the world for Christ Jesus. And he empowered us to do it. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. My witnesses... Yeah, your witnesses to tell people what you saw, what happened to you. That whole, this happened to me in 2006, that's me being a witness to what I know. People come to Jesus more based on your witness and the proclamation, as a proclamation of the gospel. I say, Jesus Christ died for me because I wasn't capable of saving myself. Because I was not good according to the word of God. And this is what he did for me. Angela and I started watching a show called The Chosen last night. Uh, and it, there's nothing in scripture in it, but they had some conjecture in there that, that just, it, it hit home, man. Y'all, it's, it's, it's not an inspired movie, but it's a good movie. 
and the, the Mary Magdalene, they're talking to Mary Magdalene, and Mary Magdalene is asked by one of the Pharisees, what, what happened to you? Because she was demon-possessed. And she said, I don't know. She said, I, I know I was one thing, and then I was another thing. And the only thing that happened between who I was and who I am is Him. And your testimony of Jesus Christ can be that simple. I was this one thing, now I'm this other thing. And the only difference between then and now is Him. This is what we've been empowered to do. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to be academic. Matter of fact, it's probably better if you're not academic. You just tell it like it is. Because we have been empowered to do it. We see this empowerment in Peter's life. Peter's one of the greatest examples that, or one of my favorite examples, as it were, of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. People say, Peter, man, Peter in the ministry of Jesus was bold and declarative. No, no, Peter was arrogant and self-righteous. And then he was a coward. And then he ran away. And then Jesus restored him. And then on the day of Pentecost, he was filled with the Spirit. And let me tell you what happened on that day. The guy that was arrogant, that was a coward, became powerful. The same Peter stood up, the one that had denied him three times, stood up in a crowd full of people that killed Jesus, that probably actively participated or watched Jesus being killed and told them the gospel message, the truth of who they had slain. And you know what happened? Because when we respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit, things happen. You know what happened? We're added to their number. Man, that's so good. They were said they were cut to the quick so deeply that they said, what, what, what must we do to be saved? That's good. We're worried about what we're going to say, how we're going to say it. Peter was a fisherman. He just got up and told them the truth. Just get up and tell them the truth. The same spirit that lived in Peter lives in you. The same spirit that emboldened Peter can embolden you. You just have to be willing to stand up. It's, a, it's one of the things that has always amazed me. And I know I'm, I'm going on and on about it, but it just, it's amazing to me. One of the things that always uh, has amazed me is that we don't believe that's still possible. The Spirit of God lived in Peter. The Spirit of God lives in you. If you truly believe the message of the gospel, when you stand up and declare it, why aren't 3,000 people coming to the Lord? Why aren't 5,000 people coming to the Lord? Why is not the one person that you're talking to coming to the Lord? I'm not telling you that to, to heap condemnation on you because it's by the Spirit that that's done. But I think perhaps if we prayed before we left our house every day and asked God, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, can you begin to till the soil of someone's heart that I might have an opportunity to have a conversation with them today. Because let me tell you, the Spirit will do well in advance 
what he needs to do to ensure that whatever seed you plant there takes root. That's how we change a city. That's how we change a community, a state, a world. Twelve people turn the world upside down according to the word of God. And we've been struggling for five years to get Lebanon to pay attention. And there's more than twelve of us. Amen. For a greater purpose. So we've been given that greater purpose. We've been given the power to proclaim the gospel. And we've been given power to work in the miraculous. To be the, it's probably a better way to say it, to be a conduit for the miraculous. Because the work of the miraculous isn't ours to do. The work of the miraculous is for us to submit to that God may work through us. You're through, not to. One of my favorite things to do in church is introduce people to other people. I know that sounds weird, but I ain't trying to I ain't trying to be your friend. Needless to say, well, let me rephrase. I'm not trying to be your only friend. Some of y'all I struggle with, but I love all y'all. My whole point is, Angela and I made a habit when we were Sunday school teachers. When somebody came in, we talked to them long enough to find out what they liked and then introduce them to someone with the same likes so that they get connected as family. We're connectors. But through us, not to us. We should never try to grow a church based on a personality. My hope, I've explained to you guys a hundred times, my hope is that one day when I get too old to do what I'm doing in this capacity and I move on to doing something else, still believing that I'll be in the ministry. But I hope that that transition happens so smoothly that y'all are up in here praising one day and you'll be like, where's that old dude used to preach up in here? I ain't seen him in like a month. Because that's when you know you got it right. When it's not about a person, it's about the kingdom of God. Amen? To us. Or through us, not to us. And we've been given the power to work in the miraculous through us. Not because of us. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says this. These signs will. I want you to pay attention to how many times it says will. I love declarative statements in Scripture. I, I, there's some things that you can, you can argue and you can argue and you can argue and you can debate. You can, you can theorize about. But when God says will, guess what? That's a, def, that's a definitive statement. He says... These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, which is to say by the authority of Jesus, because it's about Him, it ain't about us. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, do I think you ought to be drinking poison, picking up snakes? Don't be stupid. But there is power of God to, to help you. Amen? 
how do I know that that's for you? Because a lot of people will tell you that's, that ended with the apostolic age. The, the age of the miraculous ended with the apostolic age or the generation right after the apostolic age. Read the verbiage. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to disciples. And he says, they will, not you will. It's the little words in Scripture, man, we need to pay attention to. When he says, if, if he meant that with the apostles, the people that he was talking to, the miraculous would cease, do you think Jesus would have said, you will or they will? If he intended for it to stop, he would have said you. Since there's nothing in Scripture indicating that it should stop, he said they. Pick up. Use the authority you've been given. But recognize that authority isn't you. The authority is Christ in you. Amen? Finally, they realized one other thing they knew that we seem to have lost grasp of. They knew the Holy Spirit's greater purpose. The greater purpose of the Holy Spirit his primary ministry is to glorify the name of Jesus. That's so important. We, we think our, Christ, our salvation is about us. It's not. We think our sanctification is about us. It's not. The miraculous is about us. It's not. The provision that God offers is about us. It's not. Only. It's about Jesus primarily. Because in our salvation we show that although we deserve death, we serve a God that loves us so much that he gave his own life so that we might have life. That's a greater glory than our salvation. In our sanctification, it shows the patience, the long-suffering of a mighty, magnificent judge. A, a perfect judge who loves us but sees us through the lens of the blood of his son Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The spirit has to be about Jesus. I don't preach to you to fill these seats. I don't preach to you to fill the, the offering bucket. I preach to you because there's a God that is so much bigger than we know. It is so much more capable than we're willing to grab a hold of. But He's given us His Spirit that should we decide to pursue Him, should we pursue Him, He will reveal those things to us. Mm. I started this series with an A.W. Tozier quote three weeks ago. And for those of you that were here, pardon the reiteration, but A.W. Tozier said this. He said, if the Holy Spirit left the early church, 95% of what they were doing would cease and the church would be dead. But if the Holy Spirit left the modern church, 95% of what they were doing would still happen and most people wouldn't know. I believe that's true. Why do I think that's true? I think it's true because we've lost sight. 
I think they were more powerful because they didn't lose sight. Because they constantly pursued Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. 